Welcome to the Key Wellbeing Podcast and our new series, Lunchtime Listens, where it's all about real clients, real employee wellbeing challenges, and of course, real expert advice. Let's get started. This week, the topic is money, worries, and mental health. So apart from those awkward pay review meetings, money is rarely mentioned by employees in the workplace even in the current economic climate where things are pretty damn tough for us all. According to research, 68% of UK employees said that they would not tell their employer about their money worries, despite it being a concern of theirs every single day. Someone that's looking to change that narrative is Sam Tate. Sam is the co-founder and managing director of New World Financial Group, a forward-thinking and innovative firm that is ripping up the rulebook and making financial education and advice available to everyone and anyone, not just those that are wealthy. In doing so, Sam and the New World Financial team hope to help people, including employees, to make better financial decisions, and that ultimately helps them to achieve a happier, healthier, and longer life. So without further ado, let's get started. So welcome, Sam. How are you? I'm really good. Thanks, Marie. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for making time to speak to us today about such an important topic. I think it's going to be uh, going to be a good podcast. Are you ready? Absolutely. Let's go. Let's do it. So everyone could do with some financial advice, given the current economic climate, but maybe they're just a bit afraid to ask for it. Why do you think that is? Yeah, I mean, there's um, that there are there's various issues going on here. We've got a cultural thing, you know, where people don't like talking about money, particularly in this country. It exists, I think, around the world, but England seems to be, or the UK seems to be pretty bad for it. Um, millions of sort of deep and historical reasons for that, I think. But where it's got us is a point where people are afraid to ask uh, or feel, perhaps feel shame or embarrassment about their financial position. And, um, you know, we see it day in, day out, people coming to us. And once they do open up, they find that, even if their financial position isn't necessarily what they would like it to be, just having that awareness of, of where they are relative to where they want to get to is such a big step um, and so helpful. So, um, you know, it's a big job changing the culture of a, of a nation, but we're going to try and do it. Are you up for it? <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. There is there are, there is like a lot of shame and embarrassment and like no one wants to talk about how much is in their bank account or how organized or not organized they are, how much credit they have and all the rest of it. So bringing it into workplaces then. So a lot of employers, thankfully now, are starting to try and educate employees about their finances and financial well-being. Why do you think people don't talk up at work, aside from the obvious? Again, I think, you know, people um, who perhaps don't feel as though that they're in a position that they should be in are embarrassed and maybe they feel a bit of shame around it. And I think at the other end of the scale as well, people, um, not all people who are in a financially healthy, healthy position feel like this, but certainly some do. They're very conscious of the fact that other people aren't necessarily in their position. So they don't want to sort of lord it over. And it, and it just ends up in a position where nobody wants to talk about money. Um, Education is a huge thing as well. So, you know, the schooling system doesn't do enough for on education uh, with regards to finances. You know, you're not nobody's geared up to um, leave school and go straight into the work and, um, you know, understand straight away what the benefits of a pension are. That's, you know, that that's that's going to help them in the long term. They just see these numbers leaving their payslip. Same with national insurance as well. So, you know, there's no education on this. So people, I think, as well, kind of assume that they should know it. 
and they're embarrassed about the fact that they don't. Um, so it's a it's a very um, tangled web, really. It's a tricky one. It's almost <laughs> depending on your perspective. It seems like we're not told about money on purpose, perhaps about how to manage ourselves and kind of have that financial independence. And um, yeah, you're right. It's this idea of like, well, we should know. I should be further ahead in life. I should know this. I should have my shit together. And we're a bit afraid to talk about it. So how do we normalize the conversation around money then? Yeah, it's, it, I, I tell you, you know, one of the, the things about the financial services industry, uh, it doesn't do enough generally. It hasn't done enough and it's not geared um, structurally, I guess, to, to help people across the board. Really, it's designed to help people with money to protect their money or to earn more of it, which I view as, you know, that, that bit's fine, but it needs to do so much more. Um, you know, 92% of the country don't receive financial advice, and there's loads of reasons for that, but the, the, there's so many barriers to entry. So the financial services industry, the people, the financial experts need to do so much more than um, simply see the clients that they see. Um, everybody's got to work together. I think someone like Martin Lewis, who a lot of financial advisors kind of, they, they don't like, but I think that's a fear thing. I think he's done a lot for opening up the conversation, actually. And I think that, um, that you know, whether you like him or not, I think he's been a really healthy thing for the country to start to openly ask questions and to get a bit of guidance as well. So I think that's really important. Education, like you've mentioned, the employers that are, that are welcoming um companies like New World into, into their businesses to help to coach and to guide um, their employees from things like um, understanding your pay slip to debt management to all the way through to sort of more technical issues like retirement planning and understanding your pension. I think that's a really, really important thing. And we're getting a lot of positive feedback on that front. But again, I think other firms need to do more. Yeah, you are doing some amazing work going in and just opening up those conversations. And that was what I was going to ask you, actually, you know, how can employers, you know, begin to shift the mindset of people to talk about money in the workplace? Do you think it is around that education piece? I do. And it's also um, an awareness of, of maybe the guilt and the shame and embarrassment that maybe some employees feel. So creating a safe space for those people, um, being aware that just getting people into a room isn't necessarily, it's going to help, but it's not necessarily the direct assistance that some people might need. So opening up the communication lines on a one-to-one -one basis, or even if the employee knows that, you know, that, is it, that it is a safe space, um, some employers may want to go a step further and offer flexible um, yeah, flexible salary, um, you know, earnings on a monthly basis, maybe to be generous in terms of when the employee takes those things. Maybe they might offer uh, loans against the salaries. Maybe they might, um, you know, do other things that could help the employee, employee to be in a better financial position. But it's just that creating that awareness and that safe space for the employee to ask and to tell to, to say you know I've got a problem um, and all the way through to the other end of the scale you know people that are approaching retirement or maybe that they're in the 50s quite often they um, they don't potentially know their position they don't know how good it is or how bad it is people tend to compare themselves to their richest friend and therefore end up in a position where they're thinking you know I don't have as much money as that person therefore I need to retire at 65 or 67 um, or whatever it might be but um, and that's not that helpful because it's all relative. You know, how much money you have, your, your financial situation is relative to the life that you 
want to live ultimately. You know, not everybody needs five million pounds in the bank to be able to retire, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah, it is just thinking about, well, what do I want from life? And, you know, working back from there, what are the steps that I need to take now? All right, maybe I haven't been organized about it so far, but what can I do from this point to realize this dream that I have and not just assume that I have to work until the retirement age, which is mm. notching up year by year, if you ask the government. Mm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so we love your mission at New World of making financial planning and guidance available for everyone, not just everyone that's wealthy. So would you say that we can improve people's well-being by introducing financial education advice earlier? Completely, yeah. Uh, I think you and I did a talk recently, didn't we? Um, and one of the slides there said that I think it was 37% of employees uh, cite financial worries as their biggest concern. And now financial uh, worries trickle down into so many different things. Um, work-life balance, mental health. And the more people, you know, keep these things in, you know, the, the more stress that they feel. And guess what? Stress is one of the factors that lead to, you know, um, a lack of health in, in later life. Um, so we see it all the time, you know, clients that come to us, just opening up their financial lives and opening up that conversation can be such a relief to them. Um, and it, it unquestionably, just having that conversation is like a weight off people's shoulders. It's a really, really healthy thing to do. Yeah, and I, I love that you brought up the the talk that we did there because one of the other points that we were trying to make at the Tease Expo when we both spoke there was that if we can think about financial well-being as a sort of new frontier, we've done a lot of work when it comes to mental well-being mm -hmm. and mental health, and no one wanted to talk about that either or admit mm -hmm. or comparing themselves, and the very similar themes here. So how can we apply the great work that we've done in normalizing that conversation into this financial well-being world. Mm. Yeah, so, it, you know, it's financial advice, financial services has to adapt. So historically, it's always been about a product sale, okay? So um, you would go to a financial advisor and you would be basically sold the product. Might that be um, protection or it might be a pension or it might be an investment? And that advisor takes, would receive a, a cut, uh, I guess, essentially, of the, um, the investment or they might receive commission based on the product. We kind of think that's completely unhealthy. It doesn't help anything. It just incentivizes the advisor to not that they would do this across the board, but, but potentially give advice that's not right for the client. So what we try to do, and we're not alone in the industry doing this, this part, but we would sit with a client for 30, 45 minutes before we talk about money to try to understand what they're, what they're, what kind of life they want to live. And it lends itself so well to help to, to well-being, you know, because we help to help the client to sort of be ambitious in their plans, you know, not to hold back, not to think, oh, I won't be able to get that because we'll we'll figure that bit out once we understand what they've got. But really honing in on the life that they want to live and helping them to get, you know, you know to live a well-lived life ultimately, that is the key part of our job. Now, all the other bits are just tools in the bag to help us get the life, you know, to, to help make yeah. it happen. And yeah. So the two things are so linked. Um, and I think anybody that, you know, people need to, to see that connection now and sort of think forward. And, you know, this is a great opportunity for people to, to be able to sort of free themselves from the shackles a little bit. Even if it's bad news now, let's put a plan in place to make it better. Yeah, absolutely. And 
I suppose that you'll you'll be doing quite a lot of work with people to rethink what those retirement plans look like and to sort of maybe offer some avenues that they might not even know are available. Yeah, totally. And I think we'll see this more and more. You know, we we are um it's inbuilt in us to think retirement age 65. Okay, but as as um you know, health spans increase, which is which is going to happen over the next 30 to 40 years, people need to maybe start thinking, and I think it's going to happen naturally, uh, but people start need to start thinking of, there's no sort of line in the sand, it's about balance, you know, there's nothing wrong with working longer than 65, if you're doing something that you love, why do you need to stop, right, but it's, um, it's getting to the point where you're doing something that you love, uh, but it's also about finding the balance, you know, it doesn't need to be a line in the sand, and then, you know, the next stage, well, retirement is is, is the part of life that you wind down or you know start preparing for you know <laughs> death you know it's not about that it's about you know how can you live the best life that you, you possibly can and there's so many you know your 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 well-being circle shows all of the aspects well and people um i think wants to buy into that concept suddenly retirement's not a thing to be scared about and it's also not a thing to necessarily be worried about hitting in terms of targets of 65 if you're doing something that you love then you know you don't have to stop to flip that though do you think that we live longer if we retire earlier like why are we waiting so long to to live let's say you don't enjoy what you do you're like oh I've got like you know slog this out until I'm 65 or later and then maybe my health will have deteriorated a little bit by then and do I have to wait until then to start enjoying life if you're not enjoying what you do? Yeah, so that bit is about, for, firstly, the the part about slonging, slonging it out. I would say really understand your position first. Understand the detail within the pensions. Understand what, you, what flexibility you've got with your pensions. Um, and really understand what kind of life you want to live because the sooner you establish where you're at financially, really under, really establish it and establish all of your options, then, you know, we do see people quite regularly that are surprised that they don't have to work to 65. Um, once we, you know, lay it all out, then actually you've got options. You could retire at 63 or even in some cases, we've, we've had 53-year-olds come in and, and actually the life they want to live and where they are financially they can go now, you know, that is a, th that is a thing, but it's all about awareness and understanding the position that you, that you, that you're in today, mm. rather than leaving it and leaving it and leaving it. Yeah. Um, you mentioned, sorry, you mentioned about living um, longer if you retire early, I think. Yeah. Um, well, Do you, you think know, that's true? It's an urban myth. Is it? Yeah. And it comes from, uh, I know about this actually, Boeing, you know, the, the uh, aeroplane company. Airline people. Well, aer aer um, engine yeah. people. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So they basically did a survey several years ago about um, their retirees. And there's something like, I think if, if you if they retired at 55, then they would live 18 months longer. But if those that retired at 65, they on average, apparently already lasted another 18 months. Now, Boeing have actually come out and denied that, but it's been used, it's been cited on the Internet in the Internet age, like, thousands of times and people but if you google it there's actually you know it is an urban myth even Boeing say that's just not the case um there's reasons why people might retire early historically they might be in less intense less manual jobs I guess uh, people could retire early for ill health as well um but but there are links there's so many different intricacies here 
and it really depends what industry you're in you know if you if you're in a really manual labor kind of kind of kind of role then um the longer you work obviously that's going to impact your health um and vice versa if you are in a you know if you're an accountant or a, or, or you've got a desk job let's say then you may find that financially it's easier to retire early but also you know you haven't had the impact of the manual work that's you know so there's all these different things going on so stats like that are really tricky to manage yeah. it's about the individual more yeah. you know it's about each body everybody looking at it in their own sort of and you know looking at their own circumstances and thinking what's right for me what's my position you know is working longer going to impact me in a physical way or is or yeah you know do I have options yeah and it's about being happy at the end of the day and like you know like you were saying one person's happy is to continue doing what they love and they're in a place where they enjoy what they're doing and even if they don't love what they're doing you know there's just so much around work that is around um social aspects and being connected to people and this idea that maybe I'll be completely lost if I'm suddenly without purpose, even if I can retire early, do I want to do that? So yeah, it's about looking at what you want, isn't it? It is. It is. Yeah. Understand, understand your position, have an awareness, um, pull your head out of the stand. If it's in the sand, you know, to be, you know, that is such an important thing. Um, people often put things off, just deal with it now and then put a plan in place, having an awareness and then really thinking about what you want, what you want your life to look like. Um, you know, people, there's a, there can be often be a trade-off. So um, <clears throat> some people might be, might want, you know, once we do all that, they might think, okay, I could, I could work an extra two years and it might get me these extra things in retirement and that's worthwhile. Other people in that situation might think it's not worth it. I don't want to work another two years and there's no right answer. It's, it's whatever suits you, but really the awareness and the understanding and the idea of how you want it to want your life to look that's that's where to start yeah love it sam tate making your dreams come true <laughs> that's, it. that's it but it all starts jumping back it all starts with education and education at, yeah. as early as possible you know <clears throat> um particularly younger people now it's it's you know the housing market isn't an easy place to enter now the stock market is uh, you know, it's, it's a challenge. Um, you know, there are ways to to grow your money, but you know, we're not living in a world uh, that existed thirty or forty years ago. It's it's about now, and it's a very complex place to be. So, the more that you can do earlier, the more that you can start to save earlier, or even get a grip on your debt or budgeting, it it could make have a dramatic impact over the long term. Absolutely, but avoidance is not the answer. <laughs> Precisely. Yeah. Love it. Well, thank you so much. It's been really insightful, really useful. And uh, I hope that people listening got a lot from it. We do have one final question that we asked to all of our podcast guests. And that is, if there was one thing that employers could do to create happy, healthy workplaces, places that people actually want to stay until retirement age, what would you recommend that they do? Mm, one thing. One thing. I would say just creating a culture where people feel valued, uh, where they feel valued and um, and it's a safe space to share, you know, that we're talking about finances here, but but if people feel as though they can talk to their bosses or HR about issues that they've got, I think that can mean a lot in terms of, um, you know, employee retention, but employee happiness. And I think just feeling as though you're going into work, into a workplace where you're valued, I think is, is in, invaluable. Love it. Thank you so much. And finally, where can people find out more about the fantastic work that you're up to with New World Financial? 
Mm, yeah, you can. Um, our website is www.newworldfg.com, but we're very active on social media, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. If you search for New World Financial Group, um, my name's Sam Tate. My business partner is Lisa Tipton. So we're both quite active on there. So give us a follow. Awesome. And you got that beautiful, bright artwork. So people want to know if they're in the right place. Find something that looks non-financial. That's right. That was the <laughs> Something key. fun. Yeah, that's what you're yeah, exactly. branding's about. I love it. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you as always. And I look forward to seeing you soon. You too. Thanks for having me on. Marie. Thanks, Sam. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Key Wellbeing Podcast. Don't forget, we've got a whole library of free guides, toolkits, resources, and fortnightly lunchtime listens just like this with an epic lineup of guests, all to help you to create a healthy, happy workplace. Find it all on our website, www.keywellbeing.co.uk.